Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Stacks of Cash podcast. This morning, we have our good friend, estate and business planning attorney extraordinaire, Devin Phillips. Devin, welcome. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, David, for having me back. Good to have you back this morning. You know, Devin, uh, Dave and I have been talking a lot about business planning and estate planning. You and I and my wife went through an exercise late last fall. David's in the process right now. We're excited about that. And I'm about to go overseas. And uh, one of the things that I stay perpetually paranoid about is, God forbid something happens to me. How is my executor and his wingman, David, going to get into my accounts and, 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 and really make sure that things are efficient and, and, and unwinding my affairs? And one of the things that we did, at your advice, was to set up a trust. And we want to come back and revisit this concept of trusts and, and how, in the event that if something catastrophic happened, how trust can help smooth out that process and what are some of the issues that could be encountered for someone when they're cleaning things up? Well, there are two parts here. Obviously, the first part is have your will done and have your trust done. Have those documents signed. Have your fiduciaries appointed. That is the first step. The next step, which we've talked about on this podcast before, the setting up the will, setting up the trust. Next step, what you're talking about is practically what happens when I actually kick the bucket. Okay? So the first thing that I want to talk about is the efficiency of a trust. You've named your trustee. Hopefully you've done a good job and your lawyers advised you to move your assets into the trust because those are the assets that the trustee has control over. The trustee is named in the document. They have the authority to talk to your bankers, talk to log into your accounts, talk to your insurance agents. They have that authority already. If you need to sell a house, sell a property, that trustee has that authority in and the assets are in the trust. They can go ahead and do what they need to do with those assets legally. If you only have an executor named and a will, I have to go file a petition with the county probate court and ask for what's called letters testamentary. And at that point, you executor, once the court issues those letters testamentary, your executor has the ability to do the same powers as the trustee. They can uh, control accounts, they can sell businesses, they can sell property, they can do what they need to do to wind up your affairs. The problem is probate courts are a government entity and they ain't always moving as fast as you want them to. Oh, no kidding. So <laughs> the trust is a shortcut. Your, uh, if your assets are in the trust and you have the trustee appointed, they can get to work right away as soon as you pass away. Now let's talk. So that's really the first part, right? You want to make sure that you have your will, and have your trust so these people can do what they need to do that you've appointed. These fiduciaries you've appointed to take care of your stuff, they can do it. Now we have to talk about practically, if they're sitting at a computer and they have to log into your Gmail account or a bank account and there's a two-step authentication and maybe you died on an airplane and your phone is kaput, what did they do? So the more you can talk about 
these things with your fiduciary before you die. And the more information you can leave behind about where everything is, what passwords get you where, and what um, who to contact if you have any questions. So what I generally tell people to do is make sure that there is a list saved on your desktop for your kids or your wife or your whoever is looking around for your documents can say, oh, there's that. And they open the document. It tells you, who's the lawyer that prepared my will? Here's his contact information. Where is the original will located? It's in a safe. It's in a safe deposit box. It's in the bottom drawer of my desk at my office. Those That arms those people to go do what they need to do. Then practically, bank accounts, passwords. Obviously, you want to keep this stuff in a very secure location. That's why I recommend a safe but I'd leave that stuff for them. And for the ones that have two-step auth- authentications, go ahead and say, hey, my Gmail is going to send an authentication to my phone. Of course, if your phone is no lo- is can't be found or is destroyed or whatever, this is where the power of the trustee and the power of the executor comes in. They would have the power to call Google and say, look, my dad passed away or I'm the executor of Jay's estate. I can't log in because his phone is gone. Google's not going to blink. They're going to say, send me the certificate of trust in the case of a trustee or the letters testamentary in the case of an executor. They're going to ask for that. And if you can provide it, they'll talk to you about it and they'll reset the passwords and let get you access as quickly as, you know, a company like Google will. Yeah, and that seems like it's very important because in the practical world, if somebody passes away and, you know, you have children or, you know, you have obligations, payments in the mortgage, paying bills, having to wait for your local jurisdiction court to rule on you being the executor of the will and getting access to this information could pose a problem because as they happen in my house, the bills just keep they keep coming, you know, they keep coming. And so I could see a real value in this. So let me ask you this question. This may be a little bit of a selfish question, Devin. Will versus trust. How much heavy lifting goes into building a trust compared to just a will? And what's the price differential here we're talking about? <laughs> Again, this may be a little selfish because I'm going through this process right now. So... <clears throat> As far as the heavy lifting goes, a trust the conversation can run parallel. The conversations regarding your will and a trust can run parallel because oftentimes who you appoint as your executor in your will, is I recommend, should also be your trustee if you set up a trust. That way you don't have two people with two different personalities, with two different thought processes figuring out your estate. And oftentimes, um, yeah, it's going to be the same person. So a lot of the lifting can be done at the same time for your will and your trust. The real heavy lifting is what your assets look like and what assets need to be placed on the trust. If you're super diverse, if you've got properties in different states, if you've got multiple investment accounts, um, if you've got multiple closely held businesses, having that stuff placed placed in your trust drives your legal cost up because there's a lot of deeds to be filed, assignment of membership interests if you got an LLC, 
um, and then also changing either the ownership or a beneficiary on an account to the trust can usually be done on the custodian's paper and by the client. So that's not a huge legal cost, but it is a headache. So your asset picture is going to inform how much lifting needs to be done. But as far as appointing the fiduciaries of a trust and your beneficiaries, you're already, already kind of having that conversation with the will. And as far as cost goes, generally I charge a flat fee for a will for a married couple, which is your will, your advanced directive and your, um, your financial power of attorney. I'll charge a flat fee of 2,500 for that. For a trust, Usually, if it's a simple issue and there's one asset that needs to be transferred, it's not a lot of heavy lifting, I'll bump that up to four grand flat fee for everything. Of course, if there's a lot of heavy lifting and assets to be transferred, I'll do it at an hourly rate. Still ask for a $4,000 retainer in this case, but the likelihood is it could be more than that because you just have a lot that you need to do. But uh, the cost is usually in that range between four and 5000 then we start talking about irrevocable trusts and spousal lifetime access trusts and things like that, which is another conversation for a different podcast. The cost obviously increases just because of the complexity of those. So, you know, one of the things that, that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, Devin, and I want you to kind of address this, is when you're selecting the people to, to take on the responsibility of a trustee or an executor, whatever the case may be, number one, what are the things that people ought to think about? And does it make sense to have some redundancy, maybe in an informal case? So, for example, in our case, you know, my adult son is our trustee. He's, he's capable, but he's young. So there are others that are older and more experienced that are also in the mix, but maybe not in a formal way. So do you want to talk just a little bit about, like, how do you how do you become thoughtful about who do you pick to be a part of this team to help you with this stuff? Sure, that's a great question. And when you are having this discussion or you're thinking through this process of your fiduciaries, whether it's an executor or a trustee, it's important to talk this through with your attorney about who's going to serve in the role. And this is really a decision that comes down to you because you know the people in your life better than your attorney does. But the attorney should ask the questions to get you thinking about that. You've, in your instance, Jay, you've selected your 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 oldest son. Uh, and generally the conversation I have with people is, is this person, you know, educated? Do they have a good understanding of money? Do they know how, you know, a bank account works? Do they... Uh, are they competent to talk about your finances, your mortgage? Do they understand how bills are paid? Things like that. At a very s- basic level, they should be able to do those things because they're going to have to do them on your behalf. Now, another thing that I like to tell people to do is when they're thinking through the executor or the trustee is to make sure that person has people they can go to. Maybe your uh financial advisor or your CPA or your attorney is somebody who you trust and knows your knows how things are laid out, but they don't necessarily want to serve as your fiduciary, as you're an executor or, or a trustee, but you want your son to have access to those people. So the way that I 
which, which we just talked about earlier is that list that you leave behind of accounts and things like that. At the top of the list, here's the guy that drafted my will. He'll help you with probating the will. He'll help you with um, getting the assets compiled into the estate's account and making sure that the estate runs smoothly, the estate process runs smoothly. That's where you want, and you might want to leave other people that they can talk to about. Here, if you need help filing a, my final tax return, here's my CPA's number. If you need information about my investments, talk to Jay and David over at Monterey Wealth. Those, those are the things that you should leave on that leave behind as far as here's the, here's the person I've selected because I trust them and they're intelligent, and they know what they need to do. And here are other people that can kind of guide them if they get stuck, which is understandable. That's uh, fantastic information. Very, very, very valuable and uh, just excellent. So we appreciate you being here today. Uh, we're going to put your name and your contact information on the uh, podcast so that people will know how to get in touch with you. I want to thank you again for being here today with us with Stacks of Cash Podcast. And also, as a reminder, all those listening, please always feel free to forward Stacks of Cash Podcast to your friends, family, coworkers, and even people you may not like. Thanks again, Devin. Thanks for having me, guys. The information in our podcast are the opinions and viewpoints of the moderators and guests only. For information and disclosures regarding Monterey Wealth and its professionals, please go to www.montereywealth.com and select the Firm Disclosures link under the About tab.